Good morning, and thank you for joining me uh, once again as we continue uh, this uh, series uh, that we have called From Unbelief to Belief, uh, trying uh, both to think devotionally about some very important passages of scriptures and uh, the doctrines that we develop from those scriptures uh, that pertain to uh, our own faith and then how we uh, explain that faith to someone else. And so beginning this morning, I, I want to uh, do a, a bit of, of what might be called a, a subset or a subunit uh, in this, uh, this series. And as I have thought about uh, this over the, the, the weeks that we have been doing this, that uh, what kind of people are we most likely to encounter uh, here in the uh, area, primarily the southeast, uh, predominantly uh, the in and around the Birmingham, Alabama area? And uh, for the most part, you're, you're, you're not going to run across a, a large number of atheists or agnostics. I'm not going to say that you never would. I'm just saying that uh, they're, they're not necessarily coming out of the woodwork. Uh, most people are going to have some kind of knowledge of uh, the Bible and of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, even uh, the, the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, even at some level, uh, confess or profess uh, some type of faith in that and even uh, some, uh, some hope or confidence or, uh, uh, that they indeed uh, will go to heaven when they die or go to a, a better place. Uh, obviously, you're going to run across people that uh, the, the language is sometimes, well, I am a spiritual person, uh, but I'm not particularly religious and things like that. Uh, and so really what I want to deal with first and, and foremost is what I'm going to call uh, the believing unbeliever. So I'm kind of turning uh, our, our series title around, uh, but there are those uh, that will say that they are at some level, in some manner of speaking, they are believing or they are believers. Uh, but yet, uh, it seems like at least from what we can evaluate, our, our concern is that indeed uh, they are in unbelief, that they are indeed unconverted. And so uh, we're going to say some things, and, and, and probably some people say, well, this is not a very great devotional thought. I want something to kind of give me a, a fresh start on the day and make me uh, feel better and you know, put a little spring in my step. And I understand that, and, and, and that's, that's good, good to have. Uh, but I, I, I do want you to think, and I, I want you to uh, evaluate some things. And uh, all of us know people. Uh, we know people who are members of churches, even members that actually attend those churches. Uh, but yet, uh, the reality is, uh, if they were honest, uh, they would say that they have uh, little to no interest in the things that uh, uh, God uh, would state as that which that should be the priorities of those who profess to know Him and to follow Him. And so I'm going to say some things that... Uh, Maybe a bit pointed. Uh, they may be a challenge for anyone to uh, hear them. Uh, as I think about them, they are a challenge for me. And so, if I could draw an analogy uh, from kind of the biblical doctrinal uh, 
spiritual Christian world uh, to the, uh, the physical world of, of medicine. Uh, how do you know if someone has a healthy heart? Uh, I have known quite a number of people uh, that by any superficial external evaluation, uh, you would say that they look perfectly healthy and even uh, that certainly this person has a healthy heart. And yet uh, you can have a very sick heart uh, and look perfectly fine on the outside. And uh, really the singular test, uh, uh, without doing some type of surgery, uh, the singular test by which um, heart condition is evaluated is called a stress test. That is, a person is required to exert a certain amount of effort to place the heart under stress so that the, uh, certain scientific monitors can evaluate if the heart is working well. In other words, you put an individual under stress to determine the actual health of their heart. And so it, it's similar to that in the spiritual realm in, in that sometimes we, we say things to intentionally put an individual under stress, that they're forced to think and to think deeply and to evaluate their own lives and evaluate their own understanding of Scripture. Uh, and I think that's a biblical thing as I keep uh, uh, emphasizing that we are indeed to examine ourselves daily to see if we're of the faith, that this is not just a one and done type thing, uh, but uh, this is a very serious thing. And just as we uh, have certain things that we do to check on our health, uh, we need to have certain procedures by which we check on our own uh, spiritual health. And so um, let's, uh, let's go to one passage of Scripture this morning, to Matthew chapter 7, and I'll read verses 21 through 23. Uh, these are familiar words, the words of Jesus. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 21. Uh, and, I, and I'll say this, uh, and let me encourage this. If we say some things, uh, that um, disturb you or encourage you or excite you or uh, you, you scratch your head and say, I, I don't think I understand that. I've never heard that before. Feel free to contact us. Uh, there, there are ample ways to get in touch uh, with me or with uh, our associate pastor, Drew, uh, that you can communicate. Could you speak to this issue or that issue? And we would do our best to respond uh, to, uh, to that. And so... What's going on here in Matthew 7? As Jesus comes to the conclusion of what we uh, refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, he offers a number of uh, warnings, uh, warnings that pertain to some type of uh, superficial, initial type of profession or confession of allegiance to him, uh, but yet is not actual, ultimate allegiance uh, to him. And so what we see in the world today, and we, I, in my life, is I have observed primarily Southern Baptist churches over the course of now almost 65 years. I see those that uh, uh, make what we might call a profession of faith. They are baptized. Uh, they become a part of the, the church. And yet, at some point, they disappear, sometimes very literally in that I have known any number of people that have not been back to the church they joined since the day they joined it. And I'm talking about years have passed and they have never returned to the church that they say they're members of. Uh, now, uh, the phenomenon that I'm going to speak to of being an uh, actually a, a uh, believing unbeliever, uh, you can be at church every Sunday. 
every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. You can be at a Thursday night Bible study and a Friday morning prayer meeting and, and do all of these things and still be in your unbelief. So don't, don't get me wrong. But, um, uh, but when we see people that just by the way they live, there, there's nothing that you could uh, trace or identify as a characteristic of the work of God in their life. It, it's concerning, and we can never pass absolute judgment on anyone. Let me be very, very clear. And I'm sure at some level somebody that will watch this will, well, Tim, you are awfully judgmental. Now, again, uh, that's the last thing we want to be. We want to point out for you uh, to uh, take the information that we give you and evaluate your own life and maybe uh, help someone that you love evaluate their lives uh, so that uh, what has, is described here in this particular text will not be uh, their experience on that final day. So from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And I am sure over the years and even in this devotional series, we have gone to this particular passage on a number of occasions. It is one of quite a large number of passages that indicate something uh, of a type of individual that claims and at least thinks of themselves as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the end evaluation, the evaluation of the Lord himself, uh, they have been found to fall short of what is actually uh, the, the status of believing. And so here uh, Jesus uh, describes a situation and where someone has appealed to him, identified him as uh, Lord, and yet that on the day of judgment they are told that uh, they are not actually a citizen of, this, uh, of the Lord Jesus' kingdom. And there's going to be many of them, our text says, and many of them will make the claim of having done quite a number of things that would seem to be entirely biblical, uh, to prophesy, to preach, to teach, that type thing, uh, to speak well and maybe even uh, accurately of the things of God. Uh, even uh, the claim to have done supernatural things um, uh, might be the claim of this type of individual. But in the end, they're going to be said to have never gained closure, never gained salvation, never been uh, born again. And so the phenomenon is uh, that there are those that will have an encounter of some type, an experience of some type, they would think of themselves as having been converted when in fact they are not. And so there is a, the warning there. Uh, now, let me be very, very clear. I do not believe that a person can be saved genuinely and lose that salvation. We're not Arminians. That's the other theological system that kind of stands in contrast to Calvinism. And certainly Baptists have long, uh, while they not, may not agree with every point of what uh, Calvinism uh, confesses, uh, they have traditionally, uh, in the vast majority, have indicated they believe that those who are genuinely saved will remain saved all through eternity. And so we're not in any shape, form, or fashion suggesting that salvation can uh, be gained and then, and then lost, that those whom God saves, He keeps them saved. But again, there are experiences, 
that some people think of as a conversion experience that will indeed fall short of a conversion experience. And so that is why Paul says, and I repeat often, that we are to examine ourselves how often daily to see if we're of uh, the faith. And so the old cliche that seems to kind of be associated with Baptist churches is, you know, once saved, uh, always saved. And uh, there is some truth to that. I just don't think it communicates real well what we want to say in its entirety. But as uh, a young person, after a sermon one Sunday, came up and said this, I think I understand now. Maybe we should say genuinely saved, always saved. And to that, I would agree. Those that are genuinely converted, genuinely saved, they are always saved. And so I, one of the ways I'm going to kind of end these segments is with um, what we call an affirmation and a denial. Sometimes that brings clarity. So uh, we affirm that an individual who is truly converted is saved for all eternity. We, we affirm that. We deny that those who are genuinely converted can lose their salvation. And so just to be clear, that is what we're saying. We affirm that an individual who is truly converted is saved for all of eternity. We deny that those who are genuinely converted can lose their salvation. So you can kind of stick that in the back of your mind. Uh, and uh, If you have any doubts about what we might be saying, uh, we're not saying that individuals can lose their salvation. And so I pray that this will be a blessing to your day, and we'll look forward to seeing you once again uh, tomorrow. <music>